Everybody, welcome back to Letterman Road. This is Rapid Reaction brought to you by Buyers Auto. All hands on deck for this one. Maybe even a special guest that's just going to pop into the screen later on. We'll see. I'm Austin Ward. That's Tim May, Jeremy Birmingham, and Spencer Holbrook. Uh, we've been waiting and waiting and waiting, and there's good news. Big Ten football, Ohio State football, we back the weekend of October 24th. Um, it's a complicated dance still, uh, as Tim and I have talked a number of times on the Tim May podcast. Uh, it's still a challenge, but since there's now daily testing, uh, since other schools have already been playing now for a couple weeks, uh, and a number of other factors, the Big Ten now believes, after saying definitively that it would not revisit uh, the decision to cancel or postpone the fall season, that it can now safely do so, and it will next month. There's a lot to unpack here, but uh, Tim, uh, I'll start with you. Uh, we've, we've been all over the map on the optimism that this could happen, uh, and then Saturday, it became a real thing. I don't know why it still took for five days for them to vote yes, but here we are. Dude, even yesterday, you know, the, the uh, conflicting messages you were getting from presidents of universities and one saying that the, the question still needed to be answered definitively. I don't, I don't know where she tuned in last night, but evidently, uh, anyway, bottom line is when you're dealing with a, a gaggle of presidents, I guess you get that. But, you know, as Christina Johnson said, uh, when I asked her, I said, what kind of put them over the top? It is the, it's not only the, the, uh, uh, the availability of the daily testing that's going to come, but also the precision of it, I think, that really made her uh, feel satisfied. But, you know, as we well know, Ohio State, her, uh, Gene Smith, they were leading this charge for a while to uh, return to reconsider the decision to postpone Big Ten football to the spring. And uh, to think it just came out of osmosis, I think, is a little bit of a, a rewriting of history. But the bottom line is it's going to happen. It's going to happen a week later than I thought it would, October the 24th instead of October the 17th, which puts everybody in a time crunch there, a pinch point. But uh, the big news is it's happening, and that's what matters most. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, Berm, as we've talked about this, obviously the, the other two that were part of that initial – three amigos group, Nebraska and Iowa, they deserve credit. James Franklin, Jim Harbaugh have been publicly outspoken about trying to play football this year and the way to safely do it. But I have no hesitation whatsoever to say that this would not have happened without Ohio State, uh, without Ryan Day, without Dr. Borchers, without Gene Smith, without Christina Johnson. And I know that there are people elsewhere in our profession that are saying it's solely about a national championship, but this is an opportunity where everyone said, Ohio State needs to throw its weight around to make a decision happen, and it absolutely did that. Yeah, I mean, it's something that I, I think I said like six weeks ago, and Ohio State was the big, the big kahuna of the Big Ten, and it had to be uh, face forward and be the, the, this, the program leading this charge. And it got a lot of help from Nebraska that I don't think people expected to get, but it shouldn't be a surprise because if you've ever spoken to a Nebraska fan, you know how important Nebraska football is uh, to that state. Um, and certainly without the, the work of Ryan Day and Gene Smith and Christina Johnson and the parents group at Ohio State, we wouldn't be having this conversation today. And I'm trying to uh, remove some of the frustration about the, the, the weight and the way that they handled this and, and just focus on the good news today. And I think that's where it should be because as we just got off the, you know, the Zoom call with Ryan Day and Gene Smith and, and Christina Johnson, you could just see the weight off of Ryan Day's uh, shoulders was considerable. And he looked like a guy who had had an emotional morning 
but it was like the good kind of emotion, and it's it's great to see that. It was interesting to watch him because I asked him specifically, you know, the last five weeks, some of us have been able to communicate with him sporadically, off and on, off the record. Uh, and, you know, Tim, Spencer, you guys, Berm, we all know he was despondent over what was taken away from him. Um, certainly that was an emotional time for him, but, you know, he didn't even really want to talk about the opportunity, what he had to do this morning, because it would not surprise me at all if there were tears from him. He he runs hot. He is a very emotional person. He often hides that publicly. His steady hand leadership, we've praised that before. But underneath all that is a truly fiery competitor and is also someone that we've, you know, from dealing with his players, that he, he loves them and has a passion for them, and he wanted to give this to them. So, Spencer, like, you know this and you know the family, what they've gone through, the ringer here. Hmm. This was a, a special moment, I think, for the Buckeyes because everything that they want to play for is now back within reach. Yeah, I, th- I think of it like this. On August 11th when we talked to him, he looked like somebody had stolen his dog. And it's like, a, it's like he found the dog today. Like he looked like a completely different person. If you look at him then and now, it, the, the facial expressions, the emotion, it, it was almost uh, as raw as we're ever going to get from him because he has fought so hard for this and really led the charge. You know, that statement he put out where he declared war on the Big Ten um, and said, we need to play in October. You know, th- I don't think any of this happens if these coaches weren't, weren't at the forefront and saying, like, this can work. This can happen. And for him to lead the charge as a second-year head coach and really, really put himself out there and, and show the kind of leader he is, I mean, it really shows, you know, what kind of person Ohio State has leading the program. Yeah, you know what's interesting, too, is that October 24 instead of October 17, it's almost like, okay – we're going to, we'll let you play, but you don't get to play till a week later than you want. <laughs> I mean, all that, but speaking of the, the, the dog analogy, that's great, but it was a, it was a, someone stole his dog with a big gold chain around its neck because, you know, there's a sense he knew, and everyone knows who's been watching Ohio State football, this is a special team. This is a special group, even with the loss of Wyatt Davis and Sean Wade. The depth of this roster is obvious to everybody. And of course, Austin, you know as much as anybody. Uh, there may be an attempt to try to persuade or or get those two guys back, and you might want to address that for folks who are very interested in that question. Yeah, I think, and we're going to continue to follow up on this. I, I, we've talked to you know, people in, in both camps over the last couple of weeks, and you know the Sean Wade decision I think was made a while ago uh, in terms of he just didn't think they were going to be able to play for a college football playoff championship. Um, you know, Kerry Combs is now sort of recruiting him for a second, third, fourth time. Yeah. The door is open for both guys. I think if, if – I wouldn't want to make a solid prediction either way on them right now, but if one was going to walk through that door, I think the first one would be Wyatt Davis. I think maybe Sean Wade might need a little bit more convincing, but both of them are looking at this opportunity where uh, they hadn't officially signed on the dotted line, even if they have – uh, you know, the way the NCAA rule has changed, it's a possibility you could pay back uh, any money, any hotel room, anything you may have taken to come uh, restore your eligibility. It, it rarely gets tested in football, if ever. I can't even think of an example uh, necessarily other than maybe what Chase Young went through uh, last year with a loan. But, you know, this, is a, this has been something that was done for basketball so that they could go through, you know, workouts, combines, travel around to see teams, and then potentially still return to school. So, Ryan Day talked about that on Wednesday morning that uh, they do believe that there would be that opportunity. He said a thousand percent that yep. they should be allowed to play 
I know Berm, I think he's working on that right now as we talk. Yeah, I mean, it seems like there's discussion at least, and, and I don't think that Ryan Day uh, would have been optimistic about that possibility if he didn't think it was a possibility. I don't think Gene Smith would have stopped a Zoom call and said, hey, Wyatt Davis is calling me. <laughs> that was if funny. He didn't, if he didn't think that that was important to people, um, I don't think any decision has been made. I think there's obviously some loopholes that will have to be jumped through uh, to, in order to reverse any sort of decisions that have been made. But the reality is, and, and this goes back to what I've said the last few weeks, the, the core group of this football team believes so much in each other and what they were going to do this year that, you know, you saw guys like Sean Wade and Wyatt Davis already make a decision to postpone their personal glory for this team. And I truly believe that with those people who have been instrumental in making that decision once that they're willing to make it again, if it means they're going to get a shot to come back and play one more time together. And that's, you know, I've talked to a few of the team leaders this morning, the guys, uh, you know, that really have come back from crazy stuff, I guess. And you can just sense that they really feel like this is a reprieve from the governor, so to speak, uh, you know, where they thought they were on death row and all of a sudden can feel like they have a chance to, to live. And I don't, I, I just get the sense that these guys want to, to really get that Clemson taste out of their mouth. And, uh, I know it sounds crazy, but I feel like that is motivating so much of what they do. Yeah, what about the leadership of Justin Fields, too, though, Austin? You know, we've talked about this. You know, we all have, uh, uh, and, and, and Ryan Day brought it up, too. But, I mean, as a buddy of mine said when he heard about uh, Wyatt Davis and Sean Wade leaving, he goes, well, just alert me if Justin Fields is leaving. That's when I'm going to get really worried. I mean, you know, we're, we're watching what a lot of people, not just me, but a lot of people who have watched Ohio State football for, for decades and decades believe is – the best quarterback, most talented quarterback to ever play the position at Ohio State. And, and, uh, and then his leadership through this has been obvious to everyone. It's been off the chart. So, uh, you know, wow, I think is the right word for Ohio State fans, the fact that they're going to get to see this team play. Yeah, and it's going to be uh, an interesting schedule. I don't think there's any doubt about that. We didn't know that right when we got that uh, statement from the Big Ten on Wednesday morning, there was no – it was all about the medical protocol, and there was no schedule involved. There still isn't. Uh, Barry Alvarez, who chaired the scheduling committee for the Return to Play Task Force, said uh, hopefully by the end of the week they'll have that nailed down. Some of the details we do know. It's going to be eight games. There will not be any bye week. They will start on that weekend of October 23rd and 24th. They will play through December 19th. There will be a unique um, East versus West showdown, shootout, I guess. One versus one will be obviously for the Big Ten title, and then two versus two, three versus three on down to what should be an absolute banger between uh, Rutgers and Illinois. Um, be there for that uh, on that weekend. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, a nice little appetizer for what I think will probably be Ohio State and Wisconsin yet again. Um, that's probably for another show. But this, Spencer, is interesting to me that you removed all that flexibility that they talked about in, in early August. Now you're going to play nine, nine times in nine weeks or you're trying to. Uh, there are challenges to doing that. And everybody is trying to celebrate and enjoy this day. And I'm not trying to at all uh, revert to any uh, pessimism or Debbie Downing, but that's, that's going to be hard. Uh, nine times in nine weeks with no hiccups and no margin for error if you're going to be in the college football playoff. To me, that seems less than ideal. Yeah, it seems like uh, the key word in that uh, ninth game is opportunity. 
they have an opportunity to do that. It doesn't mean that they're, they absolutely are going to. And I think, you know, if there has to be a game rescheduled somewhere, they can shuffle that one, one, two, not the championship game, but the two versus two, three versus three. I'm assuming that that's where the flexibility comes in and they can, they can possibly play a makeup game in that date. Because other than that, I mean, it's going to be tight. And these guys are going to have to be even more uh, careful about where they go. You know, can they even go to the grocery store? Uh, and, and then because if they come into the facility, they're out 21 days if they have positive tests. So it's going to be very interesting. I think this, uh, this eight games in eight weeks is exactly what they tried to avoid in, uh, in August when they came out with a schedule that included three or four bye weeks. But now this is the uh, hand that they've dealt themselves. And, uh, and that now they've got to deal with it. They've made the bed. Now, that, now it's time to lay in it and we'll see how it works out. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I might add too, uh, Austin, that, uh, the, you know, we keep looking at the other leagues and what they're doing and the fact that they return to play and stuff. And, and of course, I think the SEC has a pretty ambitious schedule uh, starting next week, you know, when you look at it. And, and I keep reminding people that you can put everything down on paper, but everything right now is in pencil for every league. And uh, we'll, we'll see if the SEC can play even its ambitious schedule over that time frame. But so, uh, you know, it's really going to be an interesting next two months the way I look at it in terms of how many games everybody actually ends up playing, and I mean across the country. And that's something that uh, Gene Smith addressed. He was asked specifically, and, and others were, Barry Alvarez, and uh, you know the, the entire return to play task force for the Big Ten, and Ryan Day. You know, what, what's it going to take for the college football playoff? Well, Gene Smith has been on it. He knows what the protocols are in place. Gary Barta – uh, the Iowa Athletic Director is uh, leading the College Football Playoff Selection Committee this year. Barry yeah. Alvarez has served on that group as well. When you look at the criteria, I think that this is important for people to remember, there isn't a minimum number of games required on there. It's obviously never come up. So that's not in there. What you're going to be looking at this year is a conference championship. Uh, the Big Ten will have one. Uh, I don't know, you know if, if you, how you get there, if it's going to take all nine games, if you miss one, how that's all going to work. Uh, if you need a special tiebreaker, depending on what games get canceled, we're, we're going to have to cross that bridge when we get there. But there will be a conference champion, and there will also be uh, a large enough sample to use the eye test. And so people have asked me right away, is this enough time for Ohio State to get in the college football playoff? Well, they're ending on December 19th, and I have a hard time imagining that anyone is going to pass the eye test any better than Ohio State with this roster and what we expect from them. And if you add – Wyatt Davis and Sean Wade back in that to go with Justin Fields. This is, I think, Burma historically talented Buckeyes team, and everyone is going to recognize that if they go undefeated, whether that's seven games, eight games, or nine games. Yeah, I mean, I think you look back in the last especially 30 years of Ohio State football, and there's a few teams that sort of stand out. There's the 96 team, the 98 team, the 2015 team, last year's team, which I thought played – the best set of 13 games I've ever seen an Ohio State football team play, uh, you know, until the last half of uh, the Clemson game. Hmm. And, and then you start to wonder how can they improve on that? And the reality is they can improve on it because Justin Fields should be a better player than he was a year ago. And he was the best single season quarterback in Ohio State history. Um, and uh, which is saying something after what Dwayne Haskins did the year before, but I, I think that in reality here, this is a special moment and a special opportunity for a group that has only one goal, and that is to return to win a national championship. And I think that's why people get all upset, like, oh, this is all about Ohio State winning a national championship. It's not. It's about 
these kids deserve a chance to, to do what they, they put in all this work for. That just so happens to be win a national championship. So, um, you know, what you're seeing is a team that is going to be really, really respectful of the, the guidelines and the, the controls that are going to be put in place. I don't necessarily understand the thresholds the Big Ten has set up. I mean, 5% of 100 players is five players. I think you could play with – the NFL plays with 53 guys, so I don't know why you couldn't play against Maryland with 53 if you needed to, but um, whatever. I, I'm just – I'm really excited and happy for the guys that are getting a chance to play. And All right, as promised, there was going to possibly be somebody popping in as a special guest – uh, the general, Bobby Carpenter, uh, joining us now. Bobby, I, I gave a bunch of credit to Ohio State for, for what Ryan Day has done, Christina Johnson, Gene Smith, Dr. Borchers over the last six, five, six weeks. Uh, but right underneath Ohio State and getting the Big Ten to play again is Bobby Carpenter. Uh, is there any personal satisfaction for you today? Um, you know, I don't want to say personal satisfaction. Like, I'm just happy these guys are able to play. Like, that's all that I wanted to see was people have the same opportunity that I did to be able to go out from your junior and senior year, finish that your career with the guys, especially those that came to choose to came, come back and play again, and also elevate your draft stock. And whether you're going to be a first rounder, third rounder, fifth rounder, you have the ability to enhance that this year. And that's what I'm really excited about for these guys is they can come back, they can compete for a Big Ten championship, play hopefully for a national championship, but also improve their own lives and to be able to close out their career, their career the way they wanted, even if it's really, really weird this year. Bobby, when you look at it, I think really your mindset, you, you always were a proponent that players needed to have the choice to play, opt in or out. We know, we've talked about that ad nauseum. But when, when the new tests, when the saliva-based testing, when the rapid testing became available, I think that's really when you took it up a notch, that a clean field, you're not going to catch COVID. Did you think that they would actually still get to this point where they would reverse that decision uh, given what they made, uh, what they put in place in August? You know, I didn't necessarily know if they would get all the way there. Um, but, you know, I had some people reach out to me, you know, initially when this was available. And there was a lot of work done behind the scenes by people, you know, in the U.S. government uh, trying to push this thing and saying, hey, we can make it available. We can do this. We can help out. And so – to me, that's when the facts changed, the data changed. And so the presidents would have an out saying, hey, maybe we made a mistake earlier. We don't have to admit that we made a mistake. We have new information. We have new data that can help us. And so that's when the big push came. You know, I had someone, you know, everyone saw that, you know, the Donald Trump tweet and all that. I mean, this should be the least political thing of, of all time. Like, it's, it's college football. Like, I don't care if these, these tests came from President Obama, President Trump, FDR, Truman, Abraham Lincoln. It, do, it doesn't matter. It's the federal government that's helping you. Heck, Joseph Stalin could have given them to us for all I care. Like, as long as you know they're good, and especially they're made here in, you know, either Columbus or they're made in Chicago where Abbott's based, like, it's all good stuff. And so I think that that gave them a little cover. And then as much as the presidents try to deny the power of public pressure, I believe that it started to get so great between the parents, between the players, between some of the, you know, the outcry on social media and the fact that they turned their televisions on and there were people playing football. Like, that's really hard to deny. Oh, and by the way, a lot of these high schools now in these states are playing football. That's really hard to deny. And they're doing so largely without incident. And I think that's when all of a sudden the, the, the momentum became too strong for these presidents to ignore anymore. Yeah, you know, the highest, the highest paid public officials in each of these states 
is, is going on social media and going on the radio and going on ESPN saying, what in the world are we doing? I think that these presidents and the commissioner had to listen. You can't ignore them forever. Yeah, and then Dr. Corey Teague, you know, was on my podcast this week, and I asked him about, you know, just that. I said, you know, more than anything else, probably, you know, he's the father of Master Teague III. The visual evidence was was compelling in this thing that people were playing football and surviving, getting on buses and going back to where they came from, et cetera. And that had to play a huge role. And by the way, if I'd known we could wear muscle shirts on there, I would have put mine on. Well, I mean, it's, this was the, the, the USA, there you, go. you know, uh, tank top for, for the Army there. And I think you, you hit it right on the head, too. I mean, these guys, you know, the parents were getting involved. And, you know, people began talking to doctors. And, like, the science wasn't clear. And so why yeah. not – why didn't they delay it initially was what everyone asked until you find out more information. Um, but it was, it was just mismanaged. And the fact that they said they, they couldn't gauge the public outcry, that to me – I mean – I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I'm going to acknowledge I'm not the smartest guy in the world. I have, I have a couple gifts. There's some things that are low points, but self-awareness is the key. And yeah. understand what the school, what school you're the president of. Four of the largest 10 stadiums in the country reside in the Big Ten footprint. We may fancy ourselves like the Ivy League and the academics are great, and no one's going to deny that. But the fact that you didn't think that the public outcry would be significant on this, like that, that's what I'm failing to understand is – is how they thought they'd be championed. And I guess it's because they thought everybody would just come along alongside of them. And, and that was not going to happen. The SEC was going to try. And thanks to our guy Gordon Gee down at West Virginia, who you know, had a big push down there for the Big 12. Yeah. And then Notre Dame you know, ultimately kind of saving the ACC. And so you saw it could be done safely and done responsibly. Yeah, in, in, in your footprint. That's the main thing, yes. you know, in your regional footprint. And that's, that's the thing that stood out to me is – like, if you want to do something, you can find the reasons to not, you know, to do it. And if you want to, like, come back to play, you can find the reasons to come back to play. And, of course, they've come back to play grudgingly to a certain extent when you consider, like you said, the 21-day situation. Uh, that if, you, if you test positive, that's, that's overboard in my opinion. I'm not a doctor, but they've put a lot of parameters on this that still, you know, it's going to be tough from, I think, from week to week to, to meet all the criteria, but – it looks like they're up to the challenge. Bobby, when you look at this as we wind down here on Rapid Reaction, brought to you by Byers Auto, uh, before you get out of here with us, eight, eight games in eight weeks, nine and nine weeks with that, uh, the eight plus one model, as Kevin Warren uh, and Barry Alvarez called it. Do you have any uh, outstanding concerns about that? I think we all sort of expected October 17th would be the date to build in a buy. Uh, nine, nine for nine. Do you have any concerns about the way the schedule is actually set up? Well, they couldn't make it easy on themselves. Like you couldn't start the 17th. You couldn't have got this done late last week and given yourself, you know, one week by to make up games and to have other opportunities. Cause it wouldn't surprise me if you have a game or two canceled in there due to, you know, lack of player participation because of, you know, quarantining and different stuff. And so that's what I'm surprised about is the fact that they pushed it back. They didn't give themselves any leeway which I guess shouldn't surprise me based upon how everything has been coordinated at this point anyway. But they just they, they made it harder on themselves than I think they needed to in doing that. But that's a function of where they got to now. And some players were leaving. They're off campus. You know, you got to bring them all back. And I don't think everybody was as prepared as Ohio State to restart. Heck, you know, Rutgers wasn't because their president's coming out and talking about how, you know, cheap political tricks. And it sounded like, you know, they were going to be bound and determined not to play football. You know, so I, I think some of these schools were surprised, so they might need longer, a longer time to ramp up. And so this is what we got. And so you take it, you do the best with it, 
And it's at least it's a shot, which is all I really wanted these for these guys at the beginning, is an opportunity to prove to everybody that they can do it safely. And all the work they put in the offseason would ultimately be rewarded. Yep. It's especially frustrating because fundamentally nothing has changed from last Friday when we expected this to happen to today. Right. And that, that's because all that's really happened is time got wasted because this decision, as Austin and I and Tim, and we've all talked about it, this was pretty much sorted out last Thursday and Friday. So what happened in the last five days? I mean, the Big Ten in the five-day window right now is sort of embarrassing itself on the front end and the back end of this. But, like, what has changed in those days besides just, uh, you know, the Big Ten not wanting to get scooped by a hot mic on, on Tuesday night? Because there, yeah. nothing, nothing changed from Tuesday night to Wednesday morning. There, there are so many cheap shots you could take right now, but, you know, a gentleman that decides <laughs> to rise above that and move on. <laughs> well, I'm not a gentleman, Timbo. <laughs> Yeah. You said you were going to hold off on the criticism and you were just going to celebrate the return of football. Well, yeah. hey, I'm, I'm happy as hell for these kids. Like Bobby said, I mean, this is about these kids deserve the chance to play. And, and all we've said from the start was give us a good faith effort that you were going to put them in a position to try. And now they've done that, so let's just let it ride and see what happens. The Buckeyes can play for a national championship. The Big Ten can compete for a college football playoff berth. That's what's important. And we all get to break down now the return of football, a historically talented group of Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, that's obviously going to be a big talking point on the morning juice with Bobby Carpenter and Anthony Schlegel. Don't miss that. Uh, fantastic way to get your day started. Tim May, uh, Spencer Holbrook, who dropped out, Jeremy Birmingham. I'm Austin Ward at Letterman Row. We're going to have way more coverage coming, I promise you, as we head towards October 23rd and 24th, what should be uh, an interesting, entertaining season. Uh, as we as the Buckeyes get rolling back on the practice field, this has been Rapid Reaction. It's brought to you by Byers Auto. Stick with us at LettermanRow.com for full coverage of the Buckeyes and the Big Ten. Way more coming your way. Bye-bye.